thing I was thinking about whenever I was asked to do this service on sex, the first thing I thought about was who's in charge of scheduling these things? I'm like, it's Christmas time, and I'm over here going to be the only person in every church that says, Merry Christmas, let's talk about sex. So that's, that was my first thought when I was putting this together. It's was like, what in the world? Other churches, they're talking about baby Jesus in the manger and the three wise men, all the fun stuff, and I get to talk about sex up here. So only at Reckless would that happen. So I was thinking about sex and, uh, and, and me and my wife's story and, and my salvation, and, and I was ready to jump right into it. But then I was thinking, it won't make any sense for me to talk about our story unless I first talk about who God is. Nothing else will make sense outside of that. So I was thinking about me and my friend Pepper. We, we go on the street sometimes and we talk to complete strangers, as weird as that is. And one of the questions we always ask people is, if heaven is real, are you good enough to get there? And the overwhelming answer is yes. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a pretty good person. So yeah, I should go to heaven. If there is a heaven, I'll go there. I'm a good person. Our next follow-up question is almost always, so what's so good about you? Tell me something good that makes you good enough to go to heaven. And so they'll stumble around a little bit and say, you know, I go to church every now and again when nothing else is going on. Um, I give to a few charities here and there. When I see someone needing help, I'll help them out. But then they almost always jump to, but I'm not as bad as this person. I'm, I'm not a murderer. I've never killed anyone. I've never robbed any banks. So I'm a pretty good person. So I was thinking about that, and that's not the definition of good at all. That's a, that's a comparison goodness. That's a, I'm a good person because I'm not as bad as this person. I'm a good person because I don't murder and I don't rob anybody. Wow, we have set the standard of goodness so low we could trip on it. So what is goodness? So we have to think about who God is. What is his definition of good? Well, God is a holy and perfect being, right? He created everything. He's holy and perfect. So naturally, his definition of goodness is perfection. So when God says you shouldn't lie, our response is, well, I don't lie about all those big things. I only lie here or there or every now and again. That's not really that bad. When God says we shouldn't steal anything, we justify ourselves and say, well, you know what? I download movies sometimes, but the movie industry, they're billionaires. They won't even notice it. Or maybe I only stole when I was a kid. So that's not really that bad either. When God says you should not use my name in vain, we use it as a cuss word. When someone cuts us off in traffic, we, we spew out God's name. So we take a filthy curse word and drop it down and we slide God's almighty holy name in his place. But we say that's not a big deal because I don't really mean it. When God says, if you look at a woman with lust, you've already committed the adultery in your heart. We got an easy answer for that one. 
Everybody does that. That's just being human. Everybody looks with lust, whether you're male or female. We're all guilty of that. So in our eyes, that gets us off the hook, right? Because our sins, in our eyes, in our justification, aren't that bad. They're just little sins here and there, and I don't do them all that often. But what we need to think about is the perfection and holiness and goodness of God. So there's not an analogy out there for God that will do him justice, but I'm just going to use a quick and easy one. Let's picture a contamination-free room. You know one of them rooms where you can't get a single piece of dust in it? you got to put on a suit before you go in there? One piece of dust will contaminate the entire room. So we can envision God, and again, no analogy will do God justice, but let's imagine God in heaven as the no contamination zone. Not a speck of sin can come in his presence. Well, hold on, I just... I just said that, that I'm a liar and a thief and adulterous at heart. I use God's name in vain. I'm covered, covered in dust. I'm covered in those small sins. And you're telling me I can't have a single speck enter God's kingdom? A single speck of sin can't enter his kingdom? I'm in big trouble. I don't know about you, but I personally am in big trouble. And if we're not getting in the no contamination room of heaven, there's only one other place for us to go. And that's hell. There's no in between. It's either heaven or hell. And I just said heaven's a no contamination zone. I just walked through a sin that probably every single person in this room has done and we're covered in it. And I just said we can't get there. That should concern you. It concerns me. But do you know what our almighty God did in all of his mercy? When he looked down at us and he saw us covered in the dust of sin and he knew there was no way for us to get clean enough on our own to get in the no contamination room of heaven, he became flesh, a man, and walked this earth and committed no sin. He had no contamination. But then he was brutally beaten, put on a cross, and murdered, and died our death. Scripture says that the penalty or wages for sin is death. So we got a high penalty to pay. But someone else, Jesus Christ, went on that cross. He died our death. He paid our fine. He decontaminated us. He covered us in his cleansing blood, in his cleanness. He covered us. So now God, the good judge, can dismiss our case. He can let us in the clean room because we're covered in the clean suit of Jesus Christ because of what he did. Does that make sense? What he did, paid it all, covered us so that we can get into heaven, not because of what we've done, but it's only because of what Jesus Christ did. So you might be sitting out there right now saying, okay, that's all well and good, 
but I thought we were going to talk about sex tonight. We are. And I, and I want to get to that because it's important. But what's important for you to know is that my wife, Brittany, and I, our story is not about earning anything. It's not about working really hard so we can get to heaven and please God. It's not about deserving anything. Everything our story is going to talk about, that's why it's so important to talk about the good news of the gospel and what Jesus Christ did first. Because everything we're going to talk about is in response to what you just heard. Everything we're about to talk about is because of the salvation of Jesus Christ. It's not our will. It's not what we want. It's what Jesus Christ wanted for us. And we said, because of your great mercy, because you were willing to die on the cross, because you cleansed us, because you defeated death the third day, we love you, God. And if that's your will for us, we surrender it all to you. So everything you're about to hear tonight points 100% back to Jesus Christ on the cross. So I want you to remember that as we start talking. And I'd like to bring out my wife, Brittany Delk. <laughs> Thank you. All right, uh, Ryan, sex is not a bad thing. Hold on, Brittany. You realize you're, you're in a church right now and you're saying that uh, sex is not a bad thing? Not only am I saying sex is not a bad thing, but it's a really, really good thing. Like, really good. Hold on. Hold on. We're sitting here in church, and my wife is up here on stage, and she's saying that, that sex is a really good thing? That's right. Um, sex was created by God for us as a gift through marriage. Um, but as we all know, in the culture that we live in and the world around us tells us the exact opposite, that sex is just something you just jump into with whoever just as long as you like that person. I guess you don't even really have to like them, but it's just been diluted into something that's not what God intended. Um, so the culture around us has completely damaged, you know, what God intended to be this special gift. All right. Um, so that makes sense. Is it, since I'm on a, a little analogy kick here, so what if I use the Christmas analogy so I can tie Christmas in somehow to this service? Um, so um, imagine, I want all of you to imagine that you have someone very special, whether it's a boyfriend or a girlfriend, a mom, a dad, a neighbor, whoever it is. Think of someone very special that you want to get a really good Christmas gift for, okay? You got the person in your head? All right, I'm taking your word for it. Now think of a really great, the best Christmas gift that you can possibly think of getting them. All right, an expensive one. Even if you can't afford it, I want you to think of it in your head. The best Christmas gift you can think of. And let's just assume that it's the best gift anyone can get, which is an iPhone. So let's assume that it's an iPhone, all right? So you want to get that very special person an awesome, very expensive gift for Christmas. So you go, you spend your hard-earned money, you buy that gift, it's very expensive, you wrap it up, you put it underneath the Christmas tree, and part of the, the coolness of the gift is waiting. It's waiting for Christmas to get here. So you hear the person talking about wanting the iPhone throughout the weeks, and you just know you have them the perfect gift. This is going to be exciting on Christmas Day, right? 
So imagine you go over to the person's house or if they live with you, you go into the living room um, and, you, and you look around and you see the, the wrapping paper that you use to wrap the gift that you were going to give them on Christmas is all over the floor. You're saying something has to be wrong here because Christmas is weeks away. You look up on the couch and the person that you got the gift for, they're on the couch. They're using the gift. They unwrapped it. You're looking at them like, what in the world? And you take a closer look. Not only are they using the gift that you got them for Christmas, they've already broken it. The screen shattered. The AirPod is busted. And they don't even care. You ask them, why in the world did you open my gift that I got you early? And their response is, everyone else has an iPhone, so I figured I could have one too. And they, didn't, they couldn't care less. Yeah, so if you think about, like, the gift itself didn't change, but now the value of the gift has just completely been ruined because what you planned for that person to have at a certain time, on a certain day, you know, Christmas morning has now just completely been ruined because that person just couldn't wait, and now the whole thing's ruined. So something really good turns into something very bad for everybody involved. Yeah, so sex the way God designed it in a marriage between one man, one woman for a lifetime, that, that is the, the gift that he intended it to be. Absolutely. So before marriage and outside of marriage, sex causes a very different thing than what it causes inside of marriage. Outside of marriage, sex causes disease, heartbreak, abuse, broken families, abortion, death, and ultimately destruction in everything it touches. Yeah, and some of you may be sitting there like, look, we're good, we're having sex, everything's great. We don't have heartbreak, disease, none of that stuff. Well, unfortunately, and I'm speaking to the ladies here, that having sex with somebody before marriage can keep you in that relationship just longer than you should. Once you've given yourself to that person, they now have this part of you that you're not going to get back, and it creates this, like, emotional, soul-tie, complicated situation. So, you know, there's no clear break at that point. You now have this soul-tie with this person that you've had sex with. Yeah, so, so when you jump in to having sex outside of marriage, you start using it for the solution to everything. I love you and I really care about you. Let's have sex. I'm really mad at you, so we're not going to have sex. I'm no longer mad at you, so let's have sex to show that we're not mad. It becomes our solution for everything, and we don't learn how to know each other. Yeah, so when you substitute like actual growth in your relationship with sex, you no longer know how to get to know each other on a normal level. You don't know how to properly work through conflicts. You don't know how to show someone that you love them with your words, with your actions, with nice gestures. Um, which is a huge deal. Ladies, again, I'm speaking to you. Um, you know, we are daughters of God. And I know that sounds cheesy, like, oh, yeah, daughter of God. Oh, my God. But it's true. Like, and it's not to take lightly. God sees us as this precious, you know, he just, he wants to protect us. So he knows the damage that it can do when we give ourselves away before we're supposed to. Uh, ladies, we don't have to give in to pressure to guys. Uh, our value does not come from having sex with a guy. It just doesn't. And I'm not saying that. God said that. So I'm just relaying the message here. And I've never met a woman. I'm married. I've never met another married woman who's like, you know, 
I'm so glad that I had sex with those guys before my husband. I'm like super thankful that I did that. Like nobody says that. Actually, women say the opposite and I say the opposite. You know, I really wish that I wouldn't have done that. I wish that I would have saved myself for you only. You're my husband. Um, and that's not because we're independent women. We have control of our bodies. That's, that's not the reason why. It's because we are daughters of God. Um, you know, he gave his life for us and he gave us the Holy Spirit as a gift. And the Holy Spirit is with us. So you're not alone whenever you make that decision to be different than everybody else because everyone's doing this thing. It's okay to walk away and to step out on your own because you're not alone. The Holy Spirit is with you. So two things I want to say as it pertains to that is if you have already had sex or you're having sex currently, stop and get in a line with what God says about sex. Um, that might mean completely changing a relationship that you're in currently, and it might get weird. It might mean leaving that relationship. If it's just too big of a deal that the pressure's still there, you need to, to leave that relationship. Um, there is forgiveness and repentance in that, and God doesn't hold it over our heads when we turn, turn away and we repent of that sin. Um, and if you haven't had sex yet, please don't give in to the pressures of the world because society wants to make you feel like you're not cool, you're super lame, you're not going to keep a boyfriend that way. Well, guess what? If you have to have sex with your boyfriend for him to stay with you, then bye. Mm. Honestly. Amen. See ya. Amen. And most importantly, abstaining from sex is not some like rule God created to keep us from experiencing something awesome. God created us, in case everyone didn't know that here, uh, <laughs> and he knows you, and he created sex, and he created it to be experienced through marriage. So when we do what we want with it, Honestly, we just kind of screw things up and it gets really complicated. Um, and again, he created it. He knows what a gift that it is. Yeah, absolutely. And guys, I'll talk to you. It's time to man up. It's time to quit letting the world tell us what we're supposed to do. The world's going to show you in movies and TV and music. It's going to show you that sex is the only way. There's not really another option. Are you kidding me? That's what everybody does. Well, let me tell you right now, the world is wrong. Okay? The world's wrong. And it's time that we start respecting our own bodies that God created in his image. And you know what, guys? It's time to start respecting the daughters of God that he created in his image. There is no way for us to say we love and respect God while we are disrespecting the daughters of God. That is impossible. So giving into the world's demands about sex is the easy path. I'm asking you guys, let's stand up together against the easy path. Let's stand up with God through the Holy Spirit in response to what Jesus has done to us and save ourselves for marriage with one woman and one man for one lifetime. The way God designed it is a beautiful thing and we don't have to mess with it. Yeah. So I want to kind of flash back to 11 years ago when I was in high school. Long um, time ago. Yeah. Around this time, I think it was like maybe 12 or 13 years ago. But I remember sitting at a lunch table with all of my friends. And everyone was, you know, talking about all the guys they've hooked up with and their numbers and all these things. And um, eventually the, the spotlight was on me that I had not. Like, you haven't had sex. Ah, you're so lame. And I remember feeling like, God, I'm so lame. Like, everyone's doing this. I'm not cool. Like, I have a boyfriend. He's going to leave me because 
you know, he'll hook up with somebody else who will, who will do that with him. So I, I've got to do this. So honestly, I made the decision to lose my virginity to my boyfriend because everyone said that I needed to. Uh, it worked out real well for me. Um, so from that moment on and through college and all that, any serious relationship I was in, like that's just something that happened. You know, you have sex with your boyfriend and that's how you show each other that you love each other. And um, it's what connects you to that person. And that's just what my mind my mindset was. I mean, my mindset about myself, about sex, about guys, relationships, all of it was just totally twisted. Um, that same mentality was in my head when I met Ryan, although I had just gotten out of a really bad relationship that lasted way too long. And I was trying to get back on the right path with God, and I knew, I knew deep down, like, I know the kind of relationship that I want, and it's not what I've had before. Um, I know the kind of woman that I want to be, and it's not who I've been, and I'm going to, I've really got to get back on the right path. But when I met Ryan, even with all that being said, he was just like the best guy I had ever dated. So honestly, having sex with him just made sense. Like, well, obviously I'm going to do that. I mean, that would be so weird if I were like, no, we're not going to do that. So that mentality, even though I would want it to be on the right path, um, I still made up that in my head that, well, I still got to, I mean, we just, that's just what we did. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And, and when I met Brittany, I wasn't saved. I had literally, literally created my own God who was okay with everything I was doing. If you want to have sex, you want to watch porn, you want to do this, you want to do that. He's okay with everything because he's the God that I made up in my head so I could feel better. He didn't have any of these rules that I didn't like. He was all cool. So when Brittany and I started dating, we did start having sex. And, uh, you know, really in, in my mind, there was no question about it. It was assumed that we were going to have sex. I didn't have a desire not to. I didn't want to not to. And I didn't have any reason not to have sex. Um, so after about six months of dating, you know, I'll, I'll tell you something cool about Brittany. We were dating for about six months. And Brittany, every Sunday, she would start getting ready, or most Sundays, would start getting ready and go to church. And she'd invite me, hey, do you want to go to church? And most of the time I'd say no, or actually every time I'd say no. But she was never nagging about it. She would just get ready and say, okay, I'm going. You can meet me there if you want to. And she'd go there. And she did this for months. Meanwhile, we're still having sex. And, and one morning, I said, okay, I'll go with you. And I think I volunteered. I don't even think she asked me. Uh, but she had already had the question out there available for me. And I said, okay, I'll get ready and I'll go. Well, after a few weeks of going to Westridge, I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I put my faith and trust in the real God of the universe, the one that really makes a difference, not the one I created in my own head. So when I put my faith and trust in Jesus, it changed everything. When I say everything, it changed the way I think. It changed the way I talk. It changed the desires in my head. I put my faith and trust in God, and I said, God, you are real. I believe in you, and I want to do your will. But you know what? There was one issue with that. I didn't know who God was. Because I never owned a Bible. I never opened a Bible in my life. So I had to get a Bible. So I got one. And I, and I just started reading. I, I went to the New Testament because that was all I knew. Of, I just knew Jesus, New Testament, go there. So I went to the New Testament and I started learning who Jesus Christ was. I started learning his will for my life. And as I started reading, I started reading things like this. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses three through eight, and I'm gonna get a sip of water for that. It says, 
it is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality. Whoa, I never, I'd never heard that before. That each of you should learn to control your body in a way that's holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God, and that in this matter, no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. That was a big one. I didn't even realize I was taking advantage of a sister in Christ. That was a big eye-opener. The Lord will punish those who commit such sins. As we told you and warned you before, for God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction, listen up, does not reject human beings, but God, the very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. Whoa. I read that as a new believer, faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I said, you are God, and I am here to serve you. I bow down to any of your commands, and he drops that on me? He says, I've been disrespectful to my girlfriend that I love. She's a sister in Christ, and I'm taking advantage of her. He says, if you, don't, if you reject this instruction, that I'm not rejecting human beings, I'm rejecting God Almighty. How do you argue with that? You don't. You surrender to it. You say, you are God, and I am not, and I surrender it to you. So after a few weeks of being saved and, and reading passages like this and learning God's will for my life, it was, it was time for me and Brittany to, to have a talk. Yeah, and even before you even brought that up to me, I started to feel like convicted and like this just doesn't feel right. It used to, I guess, but it just doesn't feel like we're honoring God by our, with the sexual part of our relationship. Absolutely. So we literally, we literally had to sit down like, I just, I just say, hey, Brittany, we need to talk. And she's like, uh-oh, what is this? And then as we start talking, she's telling me, I've been convicted about this for a little while now. And we had to sit down and literally work out how is our relationship going to work now? If we're not going to have sex anymore, how do I show you that I love you? How do I show you that I'm attracted to you? How do we make up if we have a fight? Which we would never fight, would we? No. Perfect. Um, so... How do we do the normal things if we take sex out of this? This was literally going to change everything. Yeah, and honestly, we just agreed. If we're going to say we believe in God and walk this walk and talk this talk, well, we have to walk the walk. So we can't just pick and choose, you know, what we want to be obedient on. That's a huge thing. We're going to stop doing that. Um, yeah, so, yeah, so that's what we did. We stopped. We, we, said, we said, God, you said we shouldn't do that. I love you, and thank you for your salvation. We're, we're stopping. Mm -hmm. But that was a decision we had to make together. Absolutely. You were not pressuring me. I wasn't pressuring you. It had to be, it had to be a mutual decision um, together. And you know what? Honestly, if it wouldn't have been a mutual decision together, if one of us would have said we should not have sex because God has called us not to have sex, our relationship would have had to end. It would have. If she would not have been on that page with me, I would have had to end our relationship. If I would not have been on the same page with her, she would have had to end the relationship. It just would have had to happen. So, so after two years, after we stopped having sex, two years later, I proposed to Brittany right out there in that auditorium 
Yeah, so, you know, after that, I just remember just the whole engagement, you know, experience. We built a house together. We did not stay in that house, even though we closed a month before we got married. We're like, no, we're not going to give in now. We got one month to go. Um, So, you know, we had furniture delivered, and, you know, we literally went there the night of our wedding. And I just remember feeling like up to that point, like, this is what this is supposed to be like. Absolutely. You know, like, I missed you. If I was at your house late and we watched a movie and, oh, I'm gonna, no, I went home and I missed you. And it was a good feeling, actually, yeah. to miss you. And, and all of those years leading up to that moment, that is what God intended it to be, was what we experienced. And I'm yeah. so grateful for that. We made that decision. So, so literally, after we stopped having sex, three years later, we got married and we were able to come home mm-hmm. to our house. And I carried you over the threshold, trying to be old-fashioned. I think our doorbell caught it, maybe they might have a video. If not, that's okay. Look at there. The doorbell caught it. I think you were struggling. It, she's tall. She's 6'1". I ain't light. So. I'll just say that. Okay, so uh, a verse that I want to share really quick is Hebrews 13.4. Let marriage be held in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled for God will judge the, sex, the sexually immoral and adulterous. Guys, this is not just like a, oh, yeah, that sounds good. And it's not a suggestion. This is a demand, and it's coming from God. And um, one of these quotes that my mom always had on our fridge, which I loved, was, sin will take you farther than you ever wanted to go, keep you longer than you ever wanted to stay, and cost you more than you ever wanted to pay. So not only is sex this thing he wants us to wait to experience, like literally he doesn't want us to experience the consequences of our sin. So sex has major lifelong consequences. So you may think that this is something you're just going to do real quick, but honestly it could affect you for the rest of your life, not only mentally, but physically and all these things that could happen from of it. So I always love that quote. Yeah, absolutely. So Reckless, let me ask a question. What would it look like if every one of us in Reckless right now, if all of us together said we are reckless and we recklessly love God, we love him so much that we're, we're, we are willing to lay down our own desires at the foot of the cross because of what he did for us. What if we as, as Reckless said we're willing to stop doing the things that God has called us to wait on and put him first, and put him foremost, and put him rightfully where he already is, but for us to recognize him on the throne of our lives, and we literally surrendered our lives to him. What would that look like? I want us to think about that. And ladies and guys, I want us to think about our relationships, and think about where we are, and where is God in that relationship. And then think about what God could do if all of Reckless came together and put him on display in our lives and everything we do. Can we pray? Mm-hmm. God, we love you. God, we put you first in everything we do, God. If there's someone in this room, God, that is not saved, they don't know who you are, God, I pray that they listened to the gospel message. It's a simple message, God, that we are messed up people and you are not. We have a fine to pay and you paid it. We put all of our faith and our trust in you. 
We repent of our old lifestyle, God, and we turn towards you because you are God. Thank you, God, for salvation. Thank you, God, for not giving up on us. Thank you, God, for your forgiveness and your holy mercy, God, when we mess up. Thank you, God, for reckless and these young adults in this room that are willing to surrender their lives to you. God, we praise your holy name. It's in Jesus' name that we pray all things. Amen.